You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Friday to you. It's the last time that we're going to have a chance to talk before the Buffalo Bills take on the Miami Dolphins in week two. So on this podcast today, I'm going to offer you my leftover thoughts. Then we're going to talk to Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills regarding the injury situation entering Sunday's contest. Then I'm going to offer you my predictions for the game on Sunday. And lastly, my NFL draft prospects to watch this weekend with an eye towards the Buffalo Bills. So a lot to get into here on a Friday. Now, one thing that we've talked about a lot this week as I start to get into my leftover thoughts, and I have four different things that are prevailing on my mind right now as we get to the end of the week and Sunday gets closer and closer. It's the implications of the game, right? We've talked about this. The Dolphins come in 1-0. The Bills are 0-1. And obviously, the Bills would love to leave Sunday with an even 1-1 record. The Miami Dolphins would love to be 2-0 while simultaneously putting the Buffalo Bills in an 0-2 hole. So what are the implications? Well, if you look at the playoff probability by record of teams over the last 10 years and accounting for a 14-team playoff, your chances of making the playoffs at 0-2 are not good. So let's walk through it. Everybody starts the year with a 44% chance of making the playoffs at 0-0. If you get to 1-0, you got a 58% chance of making the playoffs. If you fall to 0-1, you have a 29% chance. All right, so that's where the Bills are at right now. If you get to 0-2, that 29% chance becomes an 11% chance. That's quite the dip. It's a big drop. Over the last 10 years, only 11% of football teams that have an 0-2 record get to the playoffs. Now, if you're 1-1, you're at a 49% chance. You're doing okay. You got a reasonable shot still. You get to 2-0, and you've got a 66% chance of making the playoffs. So, I think we all can agree that we still view the Bills as a playoff contender. We view the Bills as a Super Bowl contender. Nothing should change based on week one. But you fall to Miami, you get to 0-2, we start to look at this team a little bit differently. Now, there's a good chance that the Bills could be in that 11% of teams that make the playoffs after an 0-2 start. There's a good chance of that, right? Really good football team. Great quarterback, great coaching, talent everywhere, deep. Like there's a good chance they're in that 11% chance, but history is not kind to teams that fall to 0-2. And so when I talk about the implications of this game, this is what I'm referring to. Bill's got to come out of Sunday 1-1. Some other thoughts that I have about the game. This is a pass rush game. 
Pass rush is going to be critical on Sunday. We know that the Miami Dolphins are going to have plenty of quick throws, schemed throws. The ball is going to come out quick quite a bit. That's going to be part of what happens. And that's manageable for the Bills. Tackle, get your hands up in passing lanes, play downhill, and don't let the yards after catch pile up. All right, you can manage that. Well, they're also going to give the Bills plenty of shots down the field. I mean, Will Fuller's coming back, one of the best vertical threats in the game. Jalen Waddell, unreal explosive ability down the field. Mike Gusecki has been a problem for the Bills. You know, it's kind of a seam-type player. He's got really good size and ball skills and ability to win at the catch point. Then you have Devontae Parker, who's a really good possession-style receiver. So just as much as Miami's going to hit Buffalo with scheme throws and getting the ball out of Tua's hands very quickly, they're going to take some shots. And when they do, a couple things. We talked about this on Wednesday. The defensive backs have to play the ball better in the air. All right, that's a given. But those are going to be the chances for the Bills pass rush to get home. When they decide to throw the football down the field and ask Tua to take deeper drops and exhaust his progressions, that's when the Bills' pass rush has to get home. You've invested a lot in this defensive line. It's deep. The rotation is deep. Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, Greg Rousseau, F.A. Obata, A.J. Epinesa, all these guys, all these edge rushers, high picks, handsomely paid free agents. They need to go out there and deliver. And it's going to be hot outside, right? South Florida, September, it's going to be hot. That's why you have this depth. That's why you have this ability to to send wave after wave of pass rushers that should be fresh to come in and affect the quarterback. You built your defense for these moments. They need to deliver. And this Miami Dolphins offensive line is still very much a work in progress. Plenty of young players, potentially a rookie left guard, Austin Jackson, a second-year player, probably starting at left tackle after he struggled last year, struggled in preseason, missed last week. Michael Dieter's real first season as the team starting center. Jesse Davis can be had at right tackle. I mean, the Bills are going to have some opportunities here. And they need to win with their pass rush. Now, on the other side of things, Miami wants to get after Josh Allen, right? Obviously. They saw what Melvin Ingram and Cameron Hayward and TJ Watt did to the Bills offensive line last week. They got to be licking their chops. Now, I know that the Dolphins don't have the same caliber of pass rushers that Pittsburgh has, but they've got some guys. Emmanuel Ogba's a really good player. He's motivated in a contract year. Jalen Phillips, one of their first-round picks this past year, he's got a ton of ability, right? Great size, power, athleticism. He's got all the stuff you're looking for in an impact NFL pass rusher. They signed Adam Butler as an interior pass rusher type player. 
They're going to scheme up some blitz opportunities for our Landon Roberts and Jerome Baker. Andrew Van Ginkle and his long hair, he's going to be flying around. They're going to scheme up some pressure, and they're going to dial it up with Agba and Phillips and Butler. And again, that's not Watt, Ingram, Hayward. Like That's not the same caliber of players. But the unit with the most to prove is the Bills' offensive line. How quickly can they make the pass protection issues narrative go away? You know they're anxious to get back out on the field and play again and prove that they're not going to be a liability all year long, but they still got to go do it. And so when I say this is a pass rush game, I mean that from the Bills side of things in terms of rushing the passer and from the Dolphins side of things and how the Buffalo Bills offensive line responds. You know Bobby Johnson, the Bills offensive line coach, had to be very frustrated with how his unit performed against Pittsburgh. I'm sure this was a big point of emphasis all week long in practice. How do they respond? How do they respond? It's going to be a big part of what happens on Sunday. The next thing I have down is expect the Miami Dolphins to open the bag. This is a big game. Like We just talked about it. They have a chance to get to 2-0 and while simultaneously putting the Bills in an 0-2 hole. Expect them to empty the bag. Be ready for a surprise onside kick. Be ready for fake punts. Be ready for fake field goals. Be ready for trick plays. They're going to dump it all out there. Be ready. They need this game. They're pissed off, right? I know that through the media, they've downplayed week 17 last year where the Bills hung 56 points on them, beat them by 30, and ended their season in a game that meant nothing for the Bills. They've been downplaying that in the media this week, but you know, you know they're aware of it. They're thinking about it, and they want to go out there and put the Bills in this hole. So be ready for them to come out like they've got nothing to lose and empty the kitchen sink at the Buffalo Bills. So be ready for all the weird stuff. The last thing I'll say here in this opening segment is that I listened to former Carolina Panthers and Baltimore Ravens wide receiver Steve Smith this week on the radio. He's a pretty regular personality here in the Charlotte market where I live. and So he was on the radio talking about week one. And he wasn't specifically talking about the Buffalo Bills, but he was talking about week one in general and how there are times where you come out and you lose in week one. There are times where you come out and you win in week one. But in either scenario, you come out of the game and there's stuff you got to fix. There's stuff you got to work on. And Steve Smith said something along the lines of, it's easier to fix things and take them seriously after a loss. Because when you win, there can be less urgency because there's that overhanging truth that, yeah, you still won the game. Yeah, we had these issues, but we still won. And so maybe there's a chance that you don't take it 
as seriously. And so I know myself and other people have said, you know, maybe this is the best thing that could have happened to the Bills. Get humbled in week one, get real serious and focused in and go on a tear the rest of the season. And I thought Steve Smith sharing that perspective made me feel even better about that idea that this actually could be a good thing for the Buffalo Bills. So I'm sure for the Bills, Sunday can't get here soon enough and they can go out on the field, answer questions, and prove the caliber of team that they're capable of being. Now Miami's not going to roll over. They're going to fight. They're hungry. They've got a lot to prove too. They want respect. They know what's at stake. So we should be in store for a good one on Sunday. And I'll give you my predictions here in just a moment. But first, did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. They have coconut, cherry, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, cookies and cream, orange, salted caramel, strawberry, all these great flavors. And look, maybe you don't know where to start. Rest assured, you can get a mixed box. That's where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. Try them all and figure out which ones you like the best. And not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars on the planet, they're healthy too. Check out these macros, 17 to 18 grams of protein. Calories range from 130 to 180. There's only 4 to 5 grams of sugar and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. The flavors are amazing. They're all tasty and they're all healthy. I've got a deal for you. Go to BuiltBars.com. Use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I'm joined now by Dr. Kyle Trimble of Banged Up Bills. He runs the website bangedupbills.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Banged Up Bills, and Kyle lends his expertise to us each Friday of the game weeks to let us know what's going on with the injury situation. And uh, Kyle, what's looking pretty good entering this game against the Miami Dolphins? The most interesting to me is uh, Gabriel Davis, wide receiver, ankle injury, did not practice Wednesday, limited Thursday. What can you tell us about Gabe? The biggest surprise is the fact that it's an ankle designation. Uh, I had noted that in the game on Sunday, midway through the third quarter, he had tried catching a uh, ball near the end zone, had fell uh, between a few Steelers defenders and limped off the field. He quickly returned, but at the time it looked like he had hit more of his hip. I thought was a hip pointer injury or just a really hard hit general contusion. And then they say that it's an ankle. We know it's a right ankle because based off of what John Scott was able to show at practice day on video, his right ankle has some type of compression sleeve on it, possible brace. He's moving around pretty well. He's able to cut. He's able to pivot, uh, accelerate. It did look like he had some difficulty decelerating and slowing down, but that's not all too surprising considering he is dealing with an ankle injury. I don't know the specifics. I went back and looked through the video. I have an app that I can look at frame by frame, and I can't even really ever see where the ankle was injured unless it got tied up after he hit the ground and where there's Steeler defenders uh, blocking that view. So if we had a view from the end zone, we might be able to see a little bit more, but he's not limited uh, in a red no-contact jersey. He's limited. It seems like he's trending in the right direction, but if we had more information on what the ankle injury was, we could probably have a better idea. 
But right now, with how he looked on film, I would imagine he plays on Sunday. All right, so definitely encouraging news on Davis that he was at least limited on Thursday after not practicing. I'm hopeful that he continues to stay on a good trajectory. One injury that snuck up on us is Micah Hyde, neck injury, was fine on Wednesday, limited on Thursday with the red non-contact jersey. What do you have for us on uh, Micah Hyde? We don't know a whole lot about Micah Hyde. Uh, I went back through the game logs. He played in every snap on defense played some in special teams. So there wasn't anything that was blaring from Sunday. We know that he was able to practice in full the on Wednesday. And then he was obviously limited due to a neck injury and red no, non-contact Jersey. Looking back through his injury history, he's has fair share injuries. He doesn't miss a lot of time in the 2019 preseason. He did have a neck injury. Couldn't, really tell what happened at the time from what I can recall. He did miss a preseason game, but that's not saying that they're connected, just saying there's a history at some point. Uh, it's likely he did something at practice yesterday, and with him being a veteran, they know what he brings to the table. They'd rather have him rest. Uh, I don't see where he doesn't play unless he has a do not participate and he's ruled out uh, on Friday, but chances are he's going to be good to go for Sunday as well, but Certainly one I'd want more information for considering the value uh, he has at that position. Let's wrap with a, a couple more players here. Defensive tackle Star Latulale. He wound up missing uh, the game against Pittsburgh Steelers with the calf, but good news. He's been limited Wednesday and Thursday so far this week. And then also Isaiah McKinsey with the shoulder uh, limited on Wednesday, full on Thursday. He's on a good trajectory, but... I'm curious if you had any concerns there or even with Matt Milano, who uh, had an ankle thing pop up in practice, was full practice, uh, full participant in practice on Thursday. So anything you have on Latulale, McKinsey, Milano here to wrap this up? Uh, Milano, I have nothing. He uh, played in all the snaps on uh, Sunday, and he moved pretty well in practice from what we saw with the available video. Um, might have just been just ankle tweak and just something to kind of watch as he's now a veteran. Uh, Star, he's trending in the right direction. He's been moving awesome on film. I don't see that there's tape or anything that's hindering one side or the other, and he's moving well. The only reservation I have about him is the fact that the heat and humidity down in Miami could uh, cause some dehydration and cause recurrence of the calf injury. Uh, if he were not played, that would be the reason why, um, unless he has a setback in practice on Friday. But Right now, he's trending in the right direction. I don't see where he wouldn't. And it seems like last week, they might have just been precautionary to keep him out, uh, especially with as how old as he is. Um, but that's the one question I have for him. As for McKenzie, I thought he injured his left shoulder in the game because he did see the ball hit his left shoulder. He doubled over in pain on the uh, fair catch. Prior to that, he had played in the entire offensive series and had returned that kickoff uh, for 75 yards and took a pretty hard shot to his right shoulder when he got knocked over. I don't know what's going on with the right shoulder, but when he was feeling puns of practice on Wednesday, he was definitely uh, saying ow, 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 and having discomfort when he's catching the ball. And this is after every time he was catching it. I don't know what he did to his shoulder, especially that early on, but it's important to know he did return and continue playing. He's not in the red jersey. He seems like he's good to go for Sunday as well, but you got to wonder if maybe he starts having problems that they uh, put Matt Breida in as a punt returner because we did see him in warm-ups on Sunday uh, 
field and punts just in case McKenzie couldn't go. Of course, there's also Micah Hyde, but with his stats with the neck, I'm sure they don't want him taking extra shots more than he already does on defense. He's Dr. Kyle Trimble, the runner of bangedupbills.com. The Twitter handle is at bangedupbills. You mentioned the heat on Sunday. It's going to be hot down there in South Florida. Hopefully these Bills players eat their bananas and drink their water. Enjoy the game, and thanks so much for joining us again. Thank you, Joe. Football is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the field to start another season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use our promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait and take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And Bet Online is your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, it's prediction time. As always, I'm going to give you five predictions as to things I think will happen on Sunday. Number one, I have Josh Allen passing for 300 yards and accounting for three touchdowns. I think Josh gets back to being Josh on Sunday. And As we've all kind of figured out since Sunday, Josh Allen had a very similar game against Pittsburgh last year. It just happened to come in the middle of an MVP caliber season. And so there wasn't any panic. The Bills won the game. They got the defensive touchdown last year. And everybody moved on. Josh Allen continued to play great the rest of the year. This time... It comes after last year. All the hype, all the MVP talk, all the Super Bowl talk. Josh Allen goes out and literally has the exact same game he had against Pittsburgh last year, and now there's panic. Josh Allen will show you who he is on Sunday. 300 yards, three touchdowns, and he'll continue to play well against the Miami Dolphins. My second prediction Gregory Rousseau gets his first career sack on Sunday. He's back in his hometown, right? He grew up in the Miami area, played his college football at Miami, going up against a right tackle in Jesse Davis that I think can be had. Left-handed quarterback, so he'll be rushing off to his blindside. You know they're going to want to take some shots down the field with Will Fuller in the lineup. Gregory Rousseau gets home on Sunday and registers his first NFL sack. Number three, put me down for two Buffalo Bills takeaways. Listening to Leslie Frazier this past week, he shared in his press conference that as part of the defensive meeting, he asked the team, why did we lose on Sunday? And Jordan Poyer said, because we didn't get a takeaway. And the Bills had their chances to get three takeaways. Trey White's interception was nullified by a questionable, at best, defensive holding call. Tremaine Edmonds did not come away 
with the tip ball and nobody recovered the strip sack that Mario Addison forced the fumble on. Had three chances, didn't come away with any. I think the Bills respond this week and take away the football two or more times. Could be an interception, could be a fumble recovery, but this Bills defense doesn't come up empty in the takeaway department on Sunday. Put me down for at least two. My fourth prediction, Cody Ford plays every single snap of the game at right guard. I think he was the Bills' best offensive lineman on Sunday, and I think he's earned the right to be the guy at right guard for this week. Now, if you want to get Ike Bakker on the field, rotate him in with John Feliciano, who struggled as much as any Bills offensive lineman on Sunday against Pittsburgh. So either roll with Ford and Feliciano or rotate with Bakker and Feliciano, but keep Ford in the game the entire time. I think he's earned that opportunity, and I think the Bills will recognize that, and he'll play every snap of the game offensively, assuming he doesn't get injured. The last one, do the Bills win? Do they get to 1-1? and Do they fall to 0-2? I think you guys can tell by my tone through these predictions and some of the things that I brought up that I have the Bills winning this game. And it's not so much that, well, Josh Allen owns the Dolphins and Coach McDermott has never lost to Brian Flores, all that stuff, right? That That's not what's prevailing on my mind. What I cling to in moments like this where you feel like the Bills kind of have to have it, when you feel like they need to go out and meet a moment, I trust the leadership of this football team. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, all the team captains, the leadership council. You feel like this team is going to rally together. They're going to be hungry. They're not happy about what happened on Sunday, and they want to go play again. And so I don't know that there's any team that I wouldn't pick the Bills to beat this week because I buy into their leadership and ability to respond and meet this moment. So put me down for a Bills win and evening the record at 1-1. One and one. All right, so let's close out the podcast with my NFL draft prospects to watch on Saturday. Again, my objective here is to introduce prospects that I think fit the Bills that could be realistic targets in the range of the draft that I anticipate the Bills selecting in. And so I'll give you a player for every time slot so you can watch college football on Saturday, and these are the players that I think would be great options for you to focus on to get an eye on potential future Buffalo Bills. So wake up on Saturday, have a great breakfast, pet your dog, take them for a walk, hang out with your family, and then it's time to get dialed into football 12 o'clock Eastern time on ESPN. Cincinnati takes on Indiana. I'll tell you what, Cincinnati is one of my favorite football teams to watch in all of college football. They really play together. I love their quarterback, Desmond Ritter. Might be my number one quarterback in the draft. Really good talent on the defensive line. Fun running back in Jerome Ford. But the player I want you to focus on is number one, cornerback, right, jersey number one, plays cornerback for Cincinnati, and his name is Ahmad Gardner, and his nickname is Sauce. So Sauce Gardner, cornerback for Cincinnati. And I'll go ahead and spoil something for you. All of the players I'm going to give you this week are cornerbacks. 
and they all fit what the Bills are looking for. Size, length, good tackling ability, good ball skills. These are guys that will fit the style of defense that the Bills like to run and the types of corners they like to bring into the building. So Ahmad Gardner, Sauce Gardner, six foot two, 200 pounds, was an instant sensation for Cincinnati as a true freshman. Has started a lot of games. The ball production's there. He's extremely physical, good in press, smart, plays the ball, tackles, right? That type of player. And I think he's a good athlete, too. I think he's going to run high four threes, low four fours. And so I love this matchup against Indiana. And they've got a really good receiver there in Ty Fry Fogle. Good down the field guy, good ball skills, big play guy for Indiana. Indiana's a tough football team. Really good coach there in Tom Allen. So I think this will be a nice test for Ahmad Gardner. Cincinnati has played a lot of Power 5 opponents over the last several years. They've had a lot of success. And I think this will be a nice stage for Sauce Gardner to go out there and deliver and for you to evaluate his skill set going up against a good receiver in Fry Fogel. So then after that game, 3.30 Eastern time, turn it on CBS, Alabama at Florida. The guy you want to watch is for the Florida Gators defense, number five cornerback, Kyir Elam, six foot two, 196 pounds. So for Kyir Elam, again, I don't want to be repetitive here, but size, length, athleticism, ball skills, tackling ability, has all that stuff. The reason this is a great matchup is because it's Alabama. He's going to go up against NFL receivers. They have one of my favorite receiver prospects in John Mechie. I'd love for the Bills to think about John Mechie, who's got great speed, great down-the-field ability, and plays really physical. I love his game. So there's a little double dip for you there. You can watch John Mechie for Alabama. Check out Kyir Elam, number five, guarding him, who, again, has all the traits that the Bills are looking for at corner. And um, he's a favorite of Bruce Nolan. Bruce Nolan and I actually chatted about Elam this week, and I didn't on purpose because of that put him in my NFL draft prospects to watch this week, but it's a really good showcase, and I kind of wanted to do this cornerback theme. Last week, I gave you a bunch of offensive linemen. This week, I'm giving you a bunch of cornerbacks. So Kyir Elam, number 5, 330 CBS against Alabama, and their great wide receiver, John Mechie. 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, go to ABC. Auburn versus Penn State, and I want you to focus on the Auburn cornerback tandem. They got two really good corners. Number 18, Nehemiah Pritchett. He's six foot one, 180 pounds. And Roger McCreary, number 23, six foot 190. These guys are a really good pair. They're experienced. They played a lot together. And I mean, for McCreary. Just a really alpha-type player. Good tackler. Ball skills are there. Pritchett, he's a dog as well. Plays above that 180 pounds. I think he's got room to grow as well. So a nice pair of corners there. And Penn State's got that dude. Talked about him before at receiver. Jahan Dotson, total stud. Brings a lot of speed to the table. So you'll see some opportunities for Pritchett and McCreary to go up against him. And so... Good showcase opportunity for those Auburn corners. Both, I think, have the ability to be, you know, day two type picks in my mind. So Gardner and Elam, 
Those are more first-round guys, Pritchett and McCreary. They could be late ones, you know, into you know the middle of day two, something like that. So some early targets here for the Bills to consider at corner that really fit the mold of what we've seen the Bills go after. So check these cornerbacks out as we continue to expand our knowledge base of the 2022 NFL Draft. So there you have it, folks. The hay is in the barn. We've done all we can to prepare for the Miami Dolphins, and uh, the Bills need to go out there and do it. They need to go out there and prove the type of team they're capable of being and uh, put this week one disappointment behind us. So that's going to do it for us today and this week here on the podcast. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you'll take a second to make sure that you're subscribed. Heck, even take a moment and rate, review, and share the podcast. That stuff is so, so helpful to me and much appreciated. So have a great weekend. Enjoy football. Go Bills. And I look forward to catching up with you again on Monday.